I need to introduce myself. I'm Bill Jerky. I'm, I'm not what I'd refer to as the regular guy. Regular guy sitting right over here, Aaron Havens. And so I am just a member and uh, active in a, a number of ways within the church. And Aaron likes to ask people now and then to see if they'd be interested in giving this a try. And so he asked a few weeks ago, and I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens. And it's really a lot like... Uh, it's a lot like, some of them are already laughing, and I haven't even said anything yet. But, <laughs> but it's a lot like the adventure of life. I mean, we don't know for sure where we're going on, on a given day, but we're, we try to be intentional with respect to, to our following of Christ Jesus. And so that's, that's what I'll try to, to, to stick to and work with uh, uh, through this process. And Church Project is a lot that way, too. I mean, who would name their church Church Project? If you're new here, for example... We are a project. We do not have our act completely together. We are always reaching out. Is that right? No, we're not reaching out, are we? I'm sorry, Jared. That was a, a house, church, house church joke from the other night. He's tired of people who always say that, hey, let's just reach out. You know, but hey, it's hard. Aaron, you know, and, and Jared, if, you, if you're, you're going to do outreach, how do you do outreach without reaching out? So... These words, they, 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 they happen, and they, we will stumble from time to time. So Church Project was started a number of years ago. We are the, the Greeley plant. We're doing great. Um, there's just a lot to talk about with respect to all of that as we go. Um, we want to highlight a few of the things that we do. Ministry partners is a big deal. Jeannie and I help on that, and uh, we partner with a whole bunch of different ministries in our community, and really kind of that are throughout the world as well. And uh, it's just part of this great commission that we're all charged to do. As Christians, we need to always be working to advance the Word of God. And that's really what the ministry partners are about. We wind up putting some of our money, some of your tithe money, for example, goes into the ministry partners on a, on a monthly basis as well as for special events. And speaking of special events, I wanted to mention too, last night was a spectacular ministry partner event uh, for CREW, uh, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ. We had the event at uh, UNC up at the Panorama Room. I don't know how many people. It was a nice crowd, full tables, and just an excellent, excellent presentation. And talk about hope. It gives you a whole hunk of hope for next generation, for seeing so many great kids there worshiping and how their lives have been turned around. It's just really, really exciting to see. And just Fun for a show of hands. Do we have some crew kids here today? We'll show of hands. Group right over here. Thanks for coming, guys. Um, and anyway, there's several other ministry partnerships, but crew will be highlighted next week as well. And we're going to go ahead and talk with uh, their executive director locally here and talk with them further. Um, why do we do these ministry partnerships? It, it has everything to do with the Great Commission. It has everything to do with expanding out to the rest of the world. And that's who we've been talking about these last few months, actually, now. Not just weeks, but months. We're in the book of Acts. We're talking about Paul's uh, first big mission trip that he took. Uh, and this is after he'd been a, a Christian for a little while, and, or for a number of years. And uh, we'll, we'll get started with Acts 13, verses 13 through 15. I don't know that it got onto your phones today. And uh, if it didn't, our apologies, but uh, you might need to look at 
inside the book, you know, the Bible, the, you know, kind of the way we always did things until just very recently. So if anybody needs Bibles, I'm sure that we've got some somewhere in the building here. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll be studying that. And we've been going through uh, Acts up until uh, this point. Again, Acts 13, verses 13 through 15. I'll read them now, and I'll see how I do on the big words. It's going to be a challenge. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Just those three verses. And if we could get the map up uh, soon, that would be great, too. And if we could uh, see that so we can see where, where we're dealing with. Not yet, not yet. Coming soon. There we go. So when you take a look at that map, you'll see that where they started was Antioch on the right, and that's in Syria, present-day Syria. And where they're headed is the Antioch that's up in Pisidia, kind of in the middle of the picture. Um, and it's kind of like the little Antioch. And you think about, you know, Big Apple, Little Apple. Uh, you can think about, say, Paris, France, or Paris, Texas. This would be kind of the, this would be kind of the Paris, Texas version. It's a, it's a smaller city. And, uh, you know, Paul was used to bigger venues, but he played at this venue as well. And so that's where they're headed. Oh, and one other thing you've got to take a quick look at. In the Mediterranean Sea, right above the M on Mediterranean, what, what do you see there? You see fair havens. And I'm going to want to be here the day that Paul goes to Cyprus. And I'm going to want to hear about Paul's visit to fair havens from Aaron Havens himself. Actually, it's not Cyprus, excuse me, it's Crete. And I've never thought of you as a Cretan, Aaron. But, but did the family originate from, from Crete? They must have. Because it says it right there on the map, that that's the Fair Havens spot on the map. So that's kind of fun. Okay, so let's set the stage a little bit about Paul's first missionary journey. I, I find him to be, per, kind of, I, I'd say probably the second most interesting person in the entire New Testament. Uh, obviously, Christ Jesus is the most important and most interesting. But what do you have when you start talking about Paul? Well, you've got this guy that was born somewhat after Jesus, a few years. He's about 25 at the point of crucifixion. And by that point in his life, Paul, then known as Saul, was a really, really, really tough hombre. He'd been raised in his church, a devout Jewish young man. He'd been studied, had been learned by the the rabbis, so to speak, so that he really, really knew his law. He knew his Jewish law frontwards and backwards. A very bright guy, a very aggressive guy, well-spoken guy. And he really knew that these newfound Christians were really wrong. And so he persecuted them to the greatest degree possible. And we've already found found out about his his conversion. Uh, It was a tremendous conversion, obviously, the uh, the uh, road to Damascus, and it's not something that any of us should expect in life that we would ever get that kind of a visit. I mean, it happened to him, that's wonderful, but most of us get more subtle messages through life from God. They're usually not quite that powerful. 
But he got a big one because he probably needed a big one. And I'm thinking in God's infinite wisdom and his ultimate planning as in, and his intentionality that he really needed to have Paul on his team. He saw, he knew, he knew that there was a tremendous talent there. He knew that there was a person of drive, of force, of planning, of ability to speak, ability to deliver. And he knew that Paul was really his guy. And only about a year or so after crucifixion time is when that road to Damascus journey and conversion happened. So we kind of set the stage. Paul is, is an incredibly interesting guy. Oh, and the verses above 13, uh, Paul, when visiting uh, the community before that, he, he came in and he found, finds this sorcerer and he actually refers to him as the son of the devil. And, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty strong language. That's pretty tough uh, to, to chastise this person that way. One of the interesting things in our house church that came up this last week was, so what, whatever happened to that guy, I wonder? Whatever, whatever happened to the guy that was the, 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 uh, the sorcerer in this story? I, I don't know that we ever find out anything more about him in the, uh, in the Bible, but to my way of thinking, he was still redeemable. And I just find that really interesting because if Saul himself was redeemable, then why not the sorcerer as well? And that's one of the great challenges for us. In spite of what we may have done or thought about or, or didn't do in our lifetimes, we're all still redeemable. That's one of the underlying points that we need to keep in mind. So the guys set sail. Barnabas, John, Paul, they set sail, and they're headed to, uh, to the mainland. And uh, I think that something must happen along the way to this, this youngster, this younger man named John. Because almost all these people, it seems like, have two names in the Bible. They've got like their Jewish name, and then they've got their name that, that they use with the Gentiles, the Greeks, the Romans, whatever. So John is also known as Mark, as in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's the writer of Mark. So what, does, what happens with young John when he's with Paul, this larger-than-life character, a man who can probably suck all the air out of the room when he enters the room, what must happen to Mark? And we really don't know what happened to Mark, except that when he got there, he figured out that he probably ought to go back to Jerusalem. And the question that we've got, that I've got at least on it, is would the book of Mark ever even been written if Mark, John Mark would have stayed with Paul? We don't know. But we do know this, that, that God's wisdom in this, his planning for our lives, is right. It is perfect. And the things that have happened have happened with exactly his planning in mind. We just have to figure out how to act on him and how to discern what the things are that he wants us to do. So they've set sail. Uh, Mark decides to leave and go back to Jerusalem. I want to ask, this is one of the personal stories then we'll get into. I want to ask the body here, because we all go through change in our life. I want to ask the people who knew me four years ago today in this body to stand up. Okay, you saw her. She actually admits it. Jeannie. <laughs> Married for 33 and a half years, more or less. So, yeah. Can I tell you guys how much better, how much richer my life is? Being in this congregation so much better. 
so much more opportunity to work with great young people that have a forward thought, a forward belief, believing about our Lord and Savior. It's a much, much better life. And to not, to not talk about much but a little dab about where we had come from, we'd come from a wonderful small country church. I'd grown up in that church. But God wanted something different. He kept sending us messages, and for the longest time, we heard the knocking, but we didn't answer. And finally, uh, an individual uh, uh, kind of instructed us by, word, by virtue of saying the most foolish and outlandish things in the world to us, that maybe God was even using him to go ahead and send us the message that we really ought to go look around. Think back to Mark getting off that boat and thinking, man... I don't know if I'm going to be able to grow in this situation. I don't know if I'm going to be able to ever become the man that God wants me to be if I stay with Paul during that time. Did Mark think those thoughts? Perhaps. I know that Bill and Jeannie thought some of those thoughts about staying in LaSalle four years ago, three and a half years ago now. And so we decided to make the switch, and I can tell you that it has been wonderful. It has been a tremendous improvement in our lives to be able to go ahead and be with you folks. So how do we discern what is God's will in these things? How do you wind up being intentional in the things that you're doing and also have kind of a a theme or a guide or a clue as to what you ought to be doing? I don't begin to have the answer for any of you or all of you. I think it's that constant grasping that all of us must do in our lives. A lot of it's right here in this book. A lot of it's in places like house church. A lot of it's in places like ministry partnerships. A lot of it's in listening on Sunday mornings. But you have to be forthright in continually going after and believing that you need to be about doing what God wants you to do. I want to go ahead and reread verse 15 to put it into perspective. 15, after the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Wow, what a, what a setup, what a layup. Uh, a great big, so- in politics, they'd call that a great big softball pitch kind of a question. Because you got a guy like Paul coming in, and he's directed now. He's intentional. He knows what he needs to do. He knows what he wants to do. And he's directed to go and give that speech, that gospel speech of redemption. His personal story of what happened to him on the road to Damascus. You can just imagine what he told those early Jews living there in, in little Antioch, what they, what they needed to hear. It was truly an opportunity for those people to engage in Christianity and to hear the good news that they'd been waiting for for many years. Jews in those situations, they loved to get their visitors because they were searching. They wanted, just like we all want, to hear the message. They wanted to hear the word. They didn't even know what the word was, but they knew that they'd been promised a Messiah. And they wanted to hear from that Messiah. It obviously was a little more difficult and a harder sell to tell them that the Messiah had already come and gone and gone back, but he left an incredible legacy of learning and uh, a tremendous redemptive story. And that was a, a tougher sale. And it's a sale that requires faith. I think we all understand instinctively, if we haven't been taught it, that, yeah, it'd be real easy if, if Jesus simply lived amongst us physically 
and would show us daily miracles like he did for a few years in his life. You, know, you, got him, you got him bought into it at that point. But it's a little tougher for us in this world that we are in. We have to rely far more on faith. We've got all the, the, uh, the blueprints for us here, but we need to rely more on faith. So this is kind of fun, a little bit of fun demographics as I kind of head actually towards closing here, not too, not too far out. These Jews that were living in Antioch were actually considered European ethnic people. Just, just a little minor show of hands of those of you who might have some European blood. Are there some of you that might? Yeah, an awful lot of us, yeah. yeah. Maybe not all of us, but almost all of us have a little bit of European blood. So can we thank Jesus? Can we thank Paul? Can we thank God for, for making this journey to begin the, evangelic, the evangelism, the evangelic effort? whatever those words would be, you get the idea. Can we thank them out loud, in a sense, for coming to Europe and getting started with, uh, with what became uh, everything in our future, if you, if you really get down to it? Without it, we would have absolutely nothing. So, yeah. Thank you. So the question comes into play. The question is, remains for all of us. Uh, what can we do to advance your kingdom? We have a whole host of different things you've heard about. Many of you are active. I guess, could, could I have the members of our house church that I go to stand up quick just so that people can see the house church members? Yeah, go ahead and stand up, guys, the house church members. Yeah, big, huh? Yeah, yeah we'd even take more. But for those of you uh, who aren't members of house churches yet, you know, please get out and, and get to that because... It is exciting what happens on almost a daily basis or weekly basis with house churches. Before I started talking, I went out to compose myself for a minute, and I was amazed. I, I had thought about another kind of imago potentially to give, and it turned out to be the wrong one. Right, Jeremy? Yeah, it was the wrong one. Instead, I thought about a little secondary imago, and, and I walked outside, and I saw out in the foyer area, what I saw was a, a whole stack of prom dresses. So there's, there's one for you, how I saw God in a stack of prom dresses that mostly, I'm guessing, my house church donated, maybe, maybe, hopefully a bunch of my house church members donated those prom dresses to the prom that, that uh, YFC is putting on in a few weeks. And I just get excited about the interrelationship, the growing, the building of our faith, the support of each other that we have through the house churches, through the ministry partners, and I'm just excited by it. We never found my final slide, did we? Is there a final slide? There is? There it is. It's going to be a wild ride, folks. We don't know what he's asking. He, we don't know where he's going to take us. We just don't know. There's the Holy Spirit. There's, there's all of us, that little kid. Imagine, imagine Paul and the boys headed towards little Antioch. Imagine all the different stories that we can tell. Imagine all the different things that we have in our lives. So I can only imagine. I've got, I've got absolutely nothing left at this point, so I'm going to close us in prayer quickly and uh, let the music folks start heading up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the beautiful outdoors that we have, this beautiful Colorado sunny day that we have. 
thank you for the people here today. Thank you for your guidance, your love, your ability to go ahead and give us opportunity to move ahead in your world, making your world, making our world into your world. Lord, we hope that, pray that we will have the strength, the courage to approach people this next week, get them to go to the event Wednesday night, get them to come to church next Sunday. Lord, we come to you and we just thank you for all that you provide on a daily basis. In your name we pray. Amen.